The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Once ChatGPT came out, the alarm bells went off. Before ChatGPT, they were investing in everything from deep tech like SpaceX, software like Databricks, mobility, you know, Cruise, Waymo, etc. But after ChatGPT, the pace, the frequency, and the size of investments has gone up dramatically and focused on large language models. Right, it all started with the Microsoft investment in OpenAI for $10 billion in Jan 2023. And after that, a bunch of alliances started forming. That was Apoorv Agarwal, a growth stage investor at Altimeter Capital, explaining how artificial intelligence has totally transformed how tech giants such as Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Alphabet invest in new technologies. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Anita Ramaswamy, a columnist at Reuters Breaking Views. This week, I'm joined by Apoorv Agarwal, who backs software and AI companies at tech investment firm Altimeter Capital. Altimeter is known for its bets on cloud infrastructure companies such as Snowflake and Confluent, as well as Facebook parent meta platforms, to name a few. Apoorv and I discussed some impressive earnings results from cloud computing companies last week, which tech player he thinks will be the biggest beneficiary of the AI boom, and our predictions for how AI is going to transform businesses over the next year. Only time will tell if our forecasts will come true, but in the meantime, tune in to hear our conversation. Apoorv, it's great to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited to chat today about AI, big tech, and a lot of other exciting things going on. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So I want to start by asking you, you know, it's been more than a year since ChatGPT first launched um, around November 2022, and there's so much excitement around AI. It feels like that hype has really been sustained, and people are still you know, really excited about all of the new technological breakthroughs that we've been seeing. I cover venture capital, and I've been noticing that that still seems to be where a lot of VCs are spending their time and energy. And I wanted to ask you, since you are investing in the venture space at Altimeter, how do you think the AI startup funding landscape today differs from maybe other sectors that we traditionally see VCs back? You're right. AI continues to have a gold rush moment. And it's not just nimble startups, but also big tech racing for the prize. This duality is shaping the unique venture landscape. And so first, why is this gold rush sustained, right? The magnitude of impact is huge. You know, I think generative AI has the potential to be bigger than the internet, probably one of the biggest areas of technology. And I'll share a couple of data points, right? As you said, ChatGPT surpassed a million users five days after launch. Two months later, it surpassed 100 million monthly active users. This is the fastest growing consumer application we have ever seen. Is it still growing as fast? Do you have any uh, indication of that? I can get back to you with the numbers, but there's a couple other data points surrounding this that that, that, that might be more relevant, that are showing enduring value. You know, last week we had the Microsoft earnings. They released released information that GitHub Copilot reached 1.3 million paying developers just two years since launch. Now they want to take the Copilot technology to their $400 million million office subscribers. Meta, a scale even above that, is rolling AI experiences to 3 to 4 billion active users across Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp. Right, the, the story here is platform shifts like this don't come around that often, maybe once a decade. Two decades ago, you had the internet, Google won that one. A, d- a decade ago, you had mobile, Apple and Android won that one. And yeah. so if you were big tech today, If you're Microsoft today, you've got zero to two on those two big shifts. You really don't want to miss this one. And, you know, so that's that's a a big part of it. The second part of it is the capital intensity of AI is very high. 
you know, we know how software aid the world. <laughs> software yeah. doesn't need a lot of capital, a couple of engineers. If you hit product market fit, the cost of delivering an incremental piece of software is basically zero. AI doesn't work like that. You require vast amount of data, vast amount of compute to do anything at all. And then distributing it, you need scale in form of computing power to serve the inference, which means that big tech, the deep pocketed players actually have a real shot of driving the AI build. Yeah, they're in a pretty good position. I mean, I was covering um, Meta's earnings. I covered Microsoft's earnings last week, and both of them seemed to do really well. I was kind of intrigued that Microsoft, there wasn't more excitement and enthusiasm around, um, you know, their earnings announcement. But I am curious, you know, to hear your take because you wrote this blog post that really caught my eye about Meng, Microsoft, Alphabet, or Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Google, or, you know, Google with the parent company Alphabet. And they're not the only big tech players investing in this space, but they have had a really notable impact. And it seems to me those are the four names that everybody's watching, you know, waiting for their next AI launches. Maybe Meta's in there too, but why did you choose to isolate those four companies in particular? What is so special about them? You know, Mang invested, their deals added up to about $25 billion of venture investments in the year 2023. That's 8% of all North American venture capital, up from just 1% a year ago. And if you filter that down to AI, that's about 31% of all AI investments. Just to put that in perspective, the most prolific venture investor in the peak of the zero interest rate environment was Tiger, and they invested yeah. $10 billion a year. Mang as a VC is doing more than twice of that on an yearly basis. You know, so that's wow. that's why I highlight them. And there was there's there's one particular moment in time that sort of set off the trigger, right? If you if you if you read the article, there's a staggering image that shows you that once ChatGPT came out, the alarm bells went off. Before ChatGPT, they were investing in everything from deep tech like SpaceX, software like Databricks, mobility, you know, Cruise, Waymo, etc. But after ChatGPT, the pace, the frequency, and the size of investments has gone up dramatically and focused on large language models, right? It all started with the Microsoft investment in OpenAI for $10 billion in Jan 2023. And after that, a bunch of alliances started forming. Cloud majors wanting to make sure their customers, you know, stay close. And I think, you know, the other way to look at it is just as the BC80 is a divider of the Gregorian calendar, ChatGPT has become that dividing line in the AI calendar. Yeah, it is. It is super interesting. I mean, for these main companies or for, you know, big tech companies in general, why are they investing in AI startups specifically? I mean, is this more of like they're looking for a financial return an ROI on their investment? Or is it more from a strategic perspective to understand the tech that some of these startups are building? Mang has always made financial investments historically via their corporate venture arms. Uh, yeah. However, I think this time it's more strategic and financial. Warren Buffett uses this analogy of a toll booth to refer to a class of businesses that have a strategic position that allows them to have higher pricing power, higher margins, with very few substitutes. And I think Mang has the potential today to become that digital toll booth. Here's how. Anytime a developer wants to create an AI application, they need data that's on the hyperscaler. They need compute that's on the hyperscaler and AI models that are now on the hyperscalers. So and when you say hyperscaler, you're talking about the big tech company, right? Exactly. Microsoft, Amazon, Google. So even before this application earns a single dollar of revenue, if at all, the cash register first rings at Mank. 
a toll booth. And you know, we have seen this happen over the age of internet and cloud and mobile, and this led them to earn about $275 billion of operating income in the year 2023. That's more than most of the country, most countries' profits. Together, their market cap is $8 trillion, which would make them the third largest economy in the world after U.S. and China. How is that similar or different from you know, what we saw with cloud and what we saw with mobile in terms of these companies acting like digital toll booths? The capital intensity of AI, Anita, is much higher than the capital intensity of serving internet, of serving an application on mobile, in large part driven both by starting, right? To start out, you need expensive compute, either GPUs or a large computing budget to train these models, and also to serve them, right? Adding a million users to ChatGPT is not free. If you remember, ChatGPT had hiccups in, in scaling that service. And so I think it is the capital intensity that is the biggest difference uh, that, that I see. And so the cost of serving that inference will be a critical variable over time in, in enabling the scaling. I want to talk a little bit about what this means for startups in the space going head to head against some of these big tech companies. But before we get there, I just wanted to ask you one question, which is that NVIDIA seems to be the outlier of the four companies that you mentioned in your analysis. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about where they're positioned and why you see mm -hmm. them as a hyperscaler and digital toll booth? Absolutely. Look, I, I think about my mental model for AI is there's three layers at which the Gen AI is, revolution is playing out. You know, the bottommost layer is the infrastructure layer. Then you've got the model layer, and then you've got the application layer. At the infrastructure layer, NVIDIA is one of the biggest beneficiaries of AI. In fact, across all of the three stacks, if you look at the gross profit dollars that have been generated with Gen AI, it is the highest at the semis layer with NVIDIA capturing 99% of it. The gross profit dollars that NVIDIA has generated are on the order of you know, $50, $60 billion in Gen AI. The clouds are at about a tenth of that with five, six billion dollars. Wow. And all the applications are a further tenth of that, sub billion dollars. Why is NVIDIA in that place? Is because look, they are reinventing compute. Everything from chip design to computer design, networking, switching, data center design. And they've this is not the first time they've done it, right? NVIDIA started out first with the visual computing era, you know, they were serving PC graphics to about a billion PC users. The second was edge computing, 5 billion mobile users. Today, cloud computers with data centers, they're redefining about a trillion dollars worth of infrastructure spend, accelerating these data centers. And so I think NVIDIA continues to have a significant position in the AI build. You know, one thing, Apoorv, when I was reading your piece on Mang that I was super fascinated by was this idea that it is a really good investment and it is um, sort of a positive investment for these big tech companies to be making into AI startups because they can get some revenue back to their cloud businesses, to their chips business, for example. But at the same time, that raises some questions around, you know, perhaps accounting and how they're recognizing that revenue. If they're essentially taking a stake in a startup and that startup is paying them back in the form of, you know, uh, revenue for their cloud services, is that is that something that's generally accepted? Is that something that we've seen before? This is not the first time this is happening. This has happened before with companies such as AOL investing in startups with advertising credits, Illumina investing in spinoffs that utilize their sequencing technology, telco companies invest striking network capacity deals with each other. And so this is not the first time we have seen this kind of ecosystem investment uh, to stay close mm -hmm. to their customers. 
Uh, for those who are interested, you know, Brad Gerstner and Bill Gorley have very good commentary on this issue in their latest podcast. To your question of whether it's allowed or not, look, I'm not the expert, but uh, I know there's, as of last week, FTC is looking into these investments of Google, Amazon, and Microsoft into Anthropic and OpenAI. I'm just as curious as you are to see what 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 we find out. But I will say, you know, taking a step back as to why is all this happening, right? I'm sure the bigger reason for these investments is the belief and proof points that AI has the potential of becoming a larger platform than any technology we've ever seen. You and me are better off as consumers, as entrepreneurs, as investors, with Mank participating in this AI build. But it comes at a cost. And the cost, as you as you highlighted, is the market distortion that's being created. Financial investors make returns by finding great businesses. Mang makes returns by finding great customers. And the equity returns are a bonus. So I think two truths are true at the same time right now. AI is going to create a lot of value. It's going to be a significant driver of GDP. But also that a lot of the startup valuations right now are very expensive. And, yeah. you know, in the short term, technology, we, we tend to overvalue the impact of technology. But in the long run, we tend to underestimate it. Interesting. You know, coming off of earnings last week, I was wondering myself whether there's more potential or more promise in mm -hmm. consumer applications for AI versus enterprise applications. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts after hearing what Alphabet and Microsoft had to say on those topics. The scale at which AI is getting applied is incredible. I mean, the earnings last week were, were a great data point. I'll share a couple of things that stood out for me coming out of those data points. So, you know, Microsoft shared that uh, Microsoft shared that Azure has accelerated at the scale of $74 billion of run rate, growing 28%. Off the 74, 3 to 4 billion is being driven from AI. That's a big number. 53,000 Azure AI customers tripled lower last quarter, of which 18,000 are new. If you begged a developer three years ago to use Azure for AI workloads, you'd have a hard time. But today the tides are changing, right? I shared this nugget earlier, but they, they disclosed 1.3 million GitHub copilot paying developers, you know, at roughly $10 a month. That would make about 150 million of ARR in just under two years. And they're spreading this out to, you know, 400 million of their office customers. So that's one data point on the enterprise side, right? Significant yeah. enterprise AI adoption. I'll share one on the consumer side, right? Meta. Meta shared that engagement is up 25% year over year driven by video. Free cash flow is up 28% driven by efficiency. All this while their headcount was 87,000 people in October 2022 is now down to 67,000. They've tripled their earnings per person working at the company in 15 months since October. Probably the single largest beneficiary of AI after NVIDIA on a profit basis. They're not only delivering such incredible economics, but also pushing the frontier of AGI with Llama 3, returning capital to stakeholders via buyback and earnings. And so I think both enterprise and consumer data points coming in from last week have been significant. Can you give me a little bit more color on why you think that AI is the force kind of shaping meta success? I mean, their earnings were undoubtedly super impressive. Look, a lot of meta's success today is driven by their ability to deliver good targeted advertisements, right? That continues to be the core business. And sure. there is this paradox of what we call AI. Look, I started my career as an engineer at a company called Rocket Fuel, where I was building ad targeting algorithms. That was AI 12 years ago. And so a critical component of that continues to be applied at Meta. The second 
big driver, you know, which which the team shared was engagement, right? I don't know if you've had a chance to use some of the meta AI features in, in WhatsApp or Instagram or even the meta AI glasses where you can speak to speak and have a conversation with the eyeglasses. Yeah, I haven't tried those, but they look really cool. Yeah, they're 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 gonna be out there. And so I think there's both retrieval AI, predictive AI, but also generative AI that Meta is spreading across their products. When it comes to big tech companies, I know this is a bit of a spicy question, but I'd love to hear your take on, you know, who do you think is doing a good job in terms of implementing and adopting this technology versus who is sort of a laggard? I mean, it seems that all these companies are investing billions of dollars into the new technology and it's a really competitive space right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I'll go back to the stack, right? At the infrastructure layer, it is no doubt to be that one of the biggest beneficiaries of AI is NVIDIA, perhaps the highest gross margin dollars by an order of magnitude that has been created with Gen AI has been at the compute layer with NVIDIA having 99% of that. And how strong do you think their moat is? <clears throat> NVIDIA's moat is today, as we stand you know, at the start of 2024, is about as strong as it has been. And this is not this is not an accident. You know, a lot of people claim that they sort of fell backwards into it. We don't, I don't believe any of that is right, right? They've been building on this over decades, right? They're now innovating at every single layer from chip design to computer design to networking and switching, accelerating a trillion dollars worth of data center. You could not, you, you could not just buy a GPU from NVIDIA. You're typically buying the whole system with CUDA being a bedrock of that technology. So sort of on the flip side of that question, I mean, NVIDIA is a positive example. Are there any big tech companies, Meng or otherwise, that you think are not necessarily investing their billions of dollars in the right areas? Look, I think I think jury's still out. There's there's a there's a lot of companies that are figuring out their strategies. You know, as we speak to enterprise CIOs, 2023 has been the year of experimentation. Yeah. A lot of people trying out a bunch of different products. The dust hasn't quite settled. I think 2024 and 2025 will be the years when that spend consolidates. And so I think in the enterprise, a lot of that consolidation is yet to play out, right? And in terms of search, I would say one of the biggest open questions right now, you know, Google's been the king of hill on search for a while. What happens to search? Another big open question. Do we want to live in a world where we go after 10 blue links or do we want to do we want answers? So I think those are some of the open questions in, in enterprise and consumer right now as it relates to big tech. When it comes to the big tech companies' valuations, how have those been shaped by some of their AI investments? I mean, as you I mentioned earlier, like startups, you know, in the space are quite expensive right now. But does the same apply to the big tech companies funding them? As I sit here at the start of 2024, after having gone through the the, the craziness of 2021, I'm sobered and reminded that ultimately all valuation frameworks end up in the exact same place. It's a reasonable multiple of future expected cash flows. That's it. Not revenues, not gross profits, cash flows. And there's a lot of talk around AI hype being similar to the internet bubble. But as I look at the MANG valuations, they look they, they look relatively grounded to me, right? We use forward price earnings multiple as a shorthand for valuations for them. And right. you know the MANG stocks are trading at reasonable multiples compared to his, both the historical multiples, but also market averages. The the biggest thing that's changing is the expectation of their future earnings, right? And so 
if you added up, if you, you know, sounds like you looked at the earnings last week, right? Cloud majors delivered incredible growth in top line, right? They added yeah, they, 15 they billion. They had the best quarter, like the single best quarter. They added $15 billion of analyzed recurring revenue last quarter. This is the single largest quarter in the history of cloud majors, right? Now, I can't quite, it's it's harder to have this conversation, obviously, for private startups, right? Because yeah. there's there's or no earnings to talk about. I was also curious, Apoor, you know, I had another guest on this podcast talking about AI a little while back, Constantine Bueller. He's an investor at Sequoia. And he was talking to me a bit about valuations. And we were chatting about some of the technological breakthroughs that are really, in, in his view, are making Gen AI development less expensive and bringing down the costs for compute and things like that. Assuming that his thesis plays out, I don't know whether you you know want to push back on that or not, but assuming that that thesis is true, that the costs are coming down, is it possible that investors are sort of overvaluing on a multiple basis this cloud revenue that big tech companies are going to realize? I 100% agree. Look, inference costs coming down is a near certainty. Key drivers being more efficient distilled models, G better GPU utilization, better orchestration, all leading to inference costs. And look, we already have proof of this, right? OpenAI reduced, I mean, even in 2022, they slashed pricing to a third. Uh, most right. recently, earlier this year, they reduced it to another half. In in the in the two years that we've been using the OpenAI API here at Altimeter, the pricing is reduced over 10x. And as students of cloud infrastructure, we have seen costs go down time and time again. Right? Amazon reduced AWS pricing 107 times since launching in 2006. Through advancements in compute, right? Graviton has been one of the biggest drivers for AWS margins. Right. Uh, however, their revenues have gone up 15x in the last 10 years. So I think both of those truths can be held at the same time because the net impact that pricing reduction has is that it expands the market, allowing for more use cases to become viable. And I think we're in the early innings. Look, I expect there to be a lot more pricing decreases coming up, but all that will reduce, will lead to much higher usage. Right, so valuations could still stay high as a result of that that sort of growth is, is maybe what you're implying. Um, so you mentioned that you use the OpenAI API um, at Altimeter, what do you use it for? We have, we are building Altimeter GPT internally at Altimeter to help our research teams cover a lot of ground. So we are processing a lot of unstructured data, structured data to help further our research. As an example, every single day, we receive an email with the five most valuable data points that we learned about our portfolio companies from around the world. This includes customer conversations, podcasts, videos, news articles, Twitter, etc. as a way to expand the coverage for our, our team, improving the efficiency of our team. That's really fascinating that you're implement, implementing the technology on such a day-to-day -day basis. Um, how does that inform what you think about which areas in AI are just most exciting to you right now from an investment perspective? Look, I think the the one of the things I shared earlier is a lot of 2023, even for us, we spent trying out a lot of different products, trying out a lot of different both infrastructure technologies, orchestration technologies, and trying out different versions of that applications. As we speak with CIOs today, both on the enterprise side and, and consumer, I think 2024 and 2025 is going to be the year a lot of these experiments go into production. 
CIOs will be for, will be consolidating their spend to the providers that have proven value and see enduring value be created. And so for us, for me, you know, the areas that I'm looking at the most are some of the largest markets in, in AI applications. Things like customer service, right? Areas where significant OPEX reductions can happen. Engineering productivity, sales productivity, areas where you can increase revenue. And so, you know, I think a lot of a lot a lot will be learned this year, and we look forward to it. When we were chatting before um, last time I, I spoke with you, we had a little bit of a discussion about which AI products that we like and what excites both of us about the space technologically. So I wanted to pose a question to you, and I'll I'll go ahead and answer it myself too because you know I don't want it just be me shooting questions at you only, but. I'm curious what you think separates the great AI products from the good ones. Look, people don't wake up to use AI products. <laughs> people <laughs> wake up to live their lives. And the best AI products have become a part of people's lives. For me, that's ChatGPT. And I Is find that the one that using... you probably use the most, you would say? I think so, for now. What about you? Interesting. See, from a journalist perspective, it's a little different because I think the thing that will ultimately separate great AI products from the good ones are the AI products that are able to give me whatever's closest to being factually true. I think we're still, you know, seeing some struggles, some challenges in terms of the sourcing side. Like if I wanted to use ChatGPT for something, I don't necessarily know where all of the data came from. I know that's a little different with something like Bard, where they do actually have the links and the sources. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately for, for me and for somebody in this profession, um, accuracy is going to be the great differentiator. So I don't use a ton of AI products today. I think some of the applications um, like in Photoshop are really interesting and cool, more of the visual and image-based AI products, but I'm still waiting in terms of the, um, you know, the multimodal models to really hone in on accuracy and see how that goes over the next couple of years. Exciting. So one, one last question for you, Apoor. This has been a really fun conversation. What's your big prediction for where we're going to see AI go in the next 12 months? I'd say don't forget Apple. <laughs> Apple has a vertically integrated setup. They control everything from the chip to the device to the software. And look, while Siri was not the product that you and I wanted, it leaves a lot to be desired. I think they know that. And I think we should expect them to come up with an incredible product this year. That's going to be my hot take for 2024. What about How are you, you feeling about the Vision Pro? I can't wait to get my hands on it. I tried You're it out. You're excited to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very excited. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a specific prediction that I think is going to play out, but I'm definitely going to be watching, you know, what we're seeing in terms of search and Alphabet. I mean, that's super fascinating to me. I've read so much about startups like Perplexity and startups that are trying to, you know, like you said earlier, provide answers versus just 10 links. And so I wonder how that's going to shake out. And I really think we're going to see a lot of movement in that space over the next 12 months. Thank you so much, Apoor, for joining on the show. It was really awesome to have you here. And we have a lot of exciting trends to watch over the next year. So hopefully we'll have another conversation like this again soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Teslick in London. Subscribe to our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen. You can also check us out at breakingviews.com and on X, where our handle is at breakingviews.
I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.